0: Okay, good morning. We resume our weekly Amunashir. As always, our learning is, yeah. is Le'ilay Nishmas Shendol Gitel Bas Chayim Shaul. Excuse me, should have an Aliyah. We're on page Nun Aleph. Let's see the Shalom. Page six on the bottom, uh, numbered on the bottom of your page. And last week we were talking about the difference between B'tachon and Amunah. What it means to recognize that. Hashem loves us no matter how far we've strayed from Him. If you have the relationship with Hashem as a spouse, spouse's uh, marriage can end in divorce, can end in separation. But parenting is a permanent definition. A parent and child is a permanent relationship. And so, on the one hand, our relationship with Hashem is defined by the romance and intimacy of a marriage. One should see Hashem as a spouse, as a love affair, as a longing. But on the other hand, in this context, one should see the relationship with Hashem as a child towards a parent. That no matter how far one has strayed, no matter what one has done, the parent never gives up on them, the parent never stops loving them. And therefore to realize that Hashem always loves us. We also talked about Hashem Tzilcha, yad the notion that Hashem is our shadow. He's a reflection of our attitude towards Him. The more we welcome, in our, welcome Him in our lives, the more invested in Him we are, the more present He is and the more He intercedes in our behalf. And the more we cut Him out and the more we act independently as if we're on our own, then the less involved he is because he sees that we're not interested in his help. And that very much is familiar to us also in a parent relationship. If you reach out and uh, welcome and involve the parent, the parent's very involved. If you write them off and you distance yourself from them, then the parent says, practices a little tough love and says, okay, you're on your own. So we're in the middle, par- the middle uh, paragraph in the left-hand column. And this is how the orachaim of Chaim ben explains on but B'Shalach that We all know the story. The Jewish people have left Egypt. They've been liberated through miracles from the persecution of the Egyptians. And they're now standing opposite the sea, stuck between the Egyptians and the sea. And what do they do? What you think Hashem would be so proud of them for doing. They start davening. Hashem, please help us. Hashem, please get us through this. Like I told you my daughter last week with her test. Hashem, please put the answer back in my head. Yeah, so cute. Hashem, they start davening. And what does Hashem respond? What are you doing? What are you davening? He tells Moshe, I'll tell the people, Why are you davening to me? Start walking. What do you mean, why are they davening? Who should they be davening to if not to God? What else should they be doing if not davening? In a circumstance without hope. connect ha- the so Islam Rebbe says, or he's quoting the Orachaim, as saying something which is uh, counterintuitive. It really runs contrary to the way we normally understand this section. Usually, we understand this parsha's Basal. to give a big lecture on, you have to have faith in the Almighty, but it has to be coupled and complemented by Hishtadlus by human initiative, by effort. Someone's sick, we don't say, sit on the couch and daven to Hashem, He'll heal you. We say, daven, but go to the doctor. You've got to get a prescription, you have to be treated. There seems to be a contradiction within the Ramban. In one place the Ramban says, the truly righteous people would never go to the doctor. Like Scientology. If you're truly righteous, you realize Hashem is the real Rofi and you would daven to Hashem. But elsewhere, in, in, in the Halacha, the Ramban writes, of course that not only is the doctor entitled to practice medicine but we should go get the services of the doctor as well but generally the attitude is that it's not a fulfillment of Amuna. it's not a, a beautiful expression of Amuna to, to sit back and wait for Hashem to heal you it's a violation of Amuna. go sit, go sit, take that chair over there hi Orly I'm sorry we have been bumped it's not a, uh, I'm sorry was there a note there? did you find it? no, no. no? Linda? do you mind putting a note out there? Oh, there is a note out there? Okay. Okay. So, so it's not. Is someone else looking? So it's not a fulfillment of a muna to say, sit back and wait for Hashem to save you. Right? The classic understanding of this is you have to show your initiative, you have to do your part. But Islam Rebbe is explaining it very differently. The Islam Rebbe is saying that, in fact, tefillah, prayer, didn't work. That moment doesn't call for tefillah. There were so many obstacles against the Jewish people in that moment, that it doesn't call for prayer, what it calls for is So as the Son of Rabbah understands that Nasha ben Aminadav walking into the sea was not an act of human initiative, it was an incredible act of Emunah and faith. And, and that makes sense, because rationally speaking, why would you walk into the sea and expect, expect it to split? <coughs> yeah. And when you walk into your ankles and then your knees and then your waist, why, why would you think that something's <coughs> yet going to happen when mm-hmm. you get up to your lips and your nose? So to, what, what Nasha ben Aminadav did was... He didn't express Amunah with his lips, he expressed Amunah with his feet. And sometimes that's the idea. What we perceive as this, what we perceive as initiative, is not about showing our initiative because the initiative is initiative, but rather it's about showing initiative because initiative is another way of expressing faith. We express faith with our lips, we say Tehillim, we daven, we turn to Hashem, we ask for His help, but we also express faith with our feet, with our hands, by doing what we need to do and saying, I'm just going to do what I need to do, and I'm going to count on Hashem to do the rest. So faith is not only expressed verbally, faith is expressed with actions. And that says the Orchai the, Makadosh uh, is what was going on in Parshas B'Shalach. God says, <laughs> Why are you still hung up on expressing faith with your lips? You can't be passive and expect redemption. If you want redemption, you have to show the courage to show faith not only with your lips, but with your feet and your hands as well. Right, sometimes a person has to go through medical treatment. a person has to take an initiative with fertility treatments. A person is going through the motions with still, whatever the case may be, a million sending out your resume, networking, trying to find a job. There's a million examples where you say, "Why am I doing this? It's against all odds. It hasn't worked until now. Why am I still doing this? And the answer is, for the same reason that Nachshon Menameinah started walking into the sea. Why is he doing that? It makes no sense. Why should he expect anything? And the answer is because you're not sitting back passively waiting for Hashem to bring about a miracle. You're saying, Hashem, I trust in you, so I'm doing what I need to do to be your partner in the miracle waiting for you to perform it. Not even a miracle because it can happen within the natural order. But I'm doing what I need to do. I'm dating, I'm putting my... You know, I hate this term Shidduch resume out there I'm networking for a job I'm doing the IVF treatments I'm continuing to take the medicine even though it doesn't seem to be effective I'm following what the doctors suggest I'm showing the initiative on my part because initiative is a means of expressing faith and now based on this says we can offer an analysis on the question of bitachon, an analysis on the issue of bitachon showing faith you want some coffee? No, I have coffee. Thank you. You're good? You good? <laughs> no. Does faith require initiative or not? Vim ashir. And if faith needs to be accomplished by initiative, how much initiative? <laughs> so let's say you say, you know what, I need to earn a living. I need to put a roof over my head. I need to put food on my table. I need to pay my bills. So I need to earn a living. I can earn a living and cover my basic life by working 9 to 5. But should I work 9 to 9 or 9 to 12 and make more money? And if God wants me to make all that money, couldn't I make all that money while working 9 to 5? Maybe I don't need to work 9 to 9. What's the proper measure of, of Hishtadlis? Right? You say, you know, Jews have this mentality that we need the best doctor. i tell you this, I was visiting a child in Sloan Kettering earlier this year, and I noticed, like every room everywhere I looked are, are observant Jews. I see them from Jews. So I asked the parent of the child I was visiting, I said, are there a disproportionate amount of cancer with children with from Jews like what's going on here yeah he said he had the same question what he found is no it's just that Jews don't settle for their local hospital and doctor they use every connection they have till they end up in Sloan Kettering till they get the best that's our mentality but that's a question of how much is so if you're in Boca Raton South Florida and God forbid God forbid one is diagnosed with something do you say his means going to the local doctor finding out who's the best doctor in South Florida does Ishtadlis demand that you find out who's the best doctor in the country and fly there? Does Ishtadlis demand that you find out who's the best doctor in the world and fly there? What does Ishtadlis, what does initiative demand? Yeah. And at what uh, point do you say taking extreme, extraordinary initiative not, doesn't support faith, undermines faith? Because if you really believe in God, God can heal you with a local doctor. If you really believe in God, God can take care of it without working 14, 16 hours a day, God can make you wealthy in a four hour work week. God can make you wealthy. So, what is the sheer, what is the measure of initiative? How much do you have to show? Where does initiative become a complement to faith? And at what point does initiative begin to take away from faith? And the answer is it all depends on the clarity that you have, the life you're living, of trusting in Hashem, of seeing Him in your life. The greater the sense of faith and trust you have in Hashem. You see and feel Him in your life. You lean on Him and know that He's there. With the attitude and sense that we've spoken about, about ain Oud Mil Vado, The Briskerov, the Briskerov's tradition, that when you recognize in a moment particularly of... Uh, crisis, and you say there is nothing else in the world but God, that's all there is in the world, that that is a school, that that is a very positive uh, uh, brings about positive results, so the greater the So you say, you know what? I have such faith that Hashem is the Rofecholim, Hashem is the Kelna Rafa last week's parsha, the Daven for Miriam I trust in Hashem He's the doctor. Okay, but Hashem has said to me, just like the doctor says take the medicine and that's a necessary prerequisite to get better, Hashem says see the doctor. That's what I prescribe for you is go see the doctor. But the local doctor is a doctor and that's good enough because Hashem is really the one calling the shots and that's good enough if you really feel and lean on Hashem and you know that. <coughs> But if you say, look, I trust in Hashem, but Hashem wants me to exercise as much initiative as I can. So Hashem, if I settle for the local doctor, and I die from the disease, and I get upstairs and I say, God, what happened? I put my faith in you. Hashem says, yeah, moron, I gave you the connections to be able to get to the best doctor. Why didn't you use them? Why didn't you go to the best doctor? Everyone, everyone knows the story of the... Uh, person on a deserted island, and he's dying. Right? You know that one? And he told it to me last week when we left. Class, okay, so everyone knows that one. Hashem sends the helicopter, and the person says, no, I trust in God, please, go. Hashem sends the boat, no, I trust in God, I'm good, go. And Hashem sends the... I don't even know what else, and no, I'm good, go. And the person dies on the island, and comes up to him and says, God, please don't my faith in you. What happened? I'm the biggest Muna. I have all this faith in you. Hashem says, faith in me, you moron, who do you think sent you the boat? Who do you think sent you the helicopter? Who do you think sent you the plane? So that's what the Salam is touching on here is, where do we strike that balance? What is yeah. the appropriate measure of initiative to show? When is it extreme? When is it appropriate? At what point does it complement faith? At what point does it undermine it? So if you feel, well Hashem says, moron, I gave you the greatest connections, get into the best doctor, that's what, That's the initiative you need to show to place your faith in me. As I So then you need to show ishtadlis. So what he's basically is he's answering this question about the balance and tension by saying it really depends on... that it really depends on us, on our attitude, on where we're coming from, on how we feel. Nacham So the Gemara tells us about this great sage. His mother didn't name him Nacham Ish Gamzu. That wasn't his name. His name was... Good morning. Did you go to my house first? I realize I didn't tell you where it was. We okay. <laughs> will not discuss it. Okay, sorry. We will not discuss this entire no. trip. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> oh, no. Welcome back come to... Come f- week. Did, you a, did, you, did you take a raft to get here? No, but everybody should know they cannot go out. You have to out. leave the entrance, yeah. Because it's but, worse than a lake. Yeah. So this great this great sage was not named Nachem Ish Gamzu by his mother. He was named Nachem. Why did he get the nickname or the reputation Nacham Ish Gamzu? He got the name Gamzu. What kind of a name is Gamzu? Yeah. Nachum also. Nachum, the man of also. What does that mean? The Gemara says that Nachum walked through life saying Gamzu Latova. <laughs> this too is for the good. It's pouring outside. It's flooded. <coughs> therefore, my engine got flooded and didn't start. My feet. My got soaked. My shoes got ruined. So we would lose our cool. Nachum would say, Latova, Okay, Latovo. I don't know Water. exactly how or why. This too is so. There's a, so there's a leak in my roof. So there's a Nachumish Gamzu. This too is somehow for the good. So he had reached that highest level where no matter what was going on in his life and to him and from him, Gamzu Latova He so much so it permeated his very personality. It became synonymous with his identity that it became his name. Uh, oh, there! I don't know how they called him to the Torah, Nochem Ish Gamzu Ben, whatever. But at least it was his nickname in life. <laughs> Nochem Ish Gamzu. Oh, there's Nahum who's Gamzu Latova. who everything in his life, Gamzu Latova, it's for the best, it's all good, a big smile, whatever it's meant to be, whatever it is, it's meant to be. It's an extraordinarily high level. <laughs> he was on this extraordinary high level of faith and trust, so he, could settle for the local doctor. He didn't have to use his connections to fly to the specialist because he was on that level of a connection with Hashem that within the local doctor he saw the hand of Hashem prescribing him a treatment. Yeah. But if a person is not on that level, they're on a level of amun and but they say, Hashem wants me to use every connection I have, then they have to use. So to a certain degree, it's beautiful. The Slonim Rebbe is giving us license. Salaam so Rabb is putting the answer in our hands. There is no objective measure. There is no objective shear about what's the right amount of initiative to show. It depends on where we see ourselves on the spectrum of faith in Hashem. If we can live a life of Nachom Gamzu, so then you don't have to show so much initiative, then it's appropriate for you to be able to say, yeah. you know what? Trust in Hashem. Gamzolotov. I will have what I need. And if Hashem wants to make me rich while working eight hours a day, I can work eight hours a day. I don't need to work 16 hours a day because he could give me all that money in eight hours a day. But if a person can't feel that and says it eight hours a day, they're going to be stressed out of their mind saying, maybe Hashem wants me to work a couple more hours. Maybe he's not yet bestowing the shefa Bracha. The flow of blessings not coming into my life, because Hashem says, you're lacking two more hours of initiative. Where's your initiative, buddy? So for that person, two more hours of initiative is is justified. So how much initiative versus how much faith he's answering really depends on where we are on the spectrum of Emunah, which is very important because it also means that we can't judge someone else. We shouldn't sit and criticize where they are in the proportion of faith and initiative that they're showing. We can collectively all agree that to show no initiative is wrong. To show no faith is wrong. But the recipe of how much faith and how much initiative is really relative and subjective to each and every person where they are on that spectrum. And it's something that fluctuates. It's something that changes in our life as life goes on. So one day we feel tremendous Amuna. Mm-hmm. Our faith, our trust, we're walking around like Nachomish <laughs> Gamza. And the next day we feel lost. The next day we question why. The next day we're searching for Hashem and we're struggling to find Him. And we feel, you know what? It's really up to me. I've got to show all the initiative. I've got to show all the initiative. What do they say? There's a great quote. Pray like it's all up to God, but act like it's all up to you. Yeah. There's some quote like that. Yeah. Act as if it all depends on you, mm-hmm. and pray as if it all depends on God. And that's really exactly what the Son of Marev is saying. That when you're davening to Hashem, when you're talking to Hashem, when you're asking Hashem for help and whatever it is you need, then you live with Emunah, that you pray like it's entirely up to Hashem. But when it's time for you to do what you have to do, to take the job interview, to go to the doctor, to, to earn the living, then you've got to act and give it maximum effort as if it's all up to you. We'll turn to the page. Based on this we can explain... Page seven. Shalom Yisodei What does it mean that Yaakov was afraid? Gemara Baruchos Daf tells us that Yaakov Avinu was worried that he had used up his merits with the Almighty and he was unworthy. He was unworthy. Katonti Mikola He had become diminished by using up all of God's goodness to him. Shema Yigram Hachait. Maybe his own inadequacy would cause him not to be worthy of God's divine protection. Lav, laham so, Slonim says, "You know what it means? Yaakov wasn't afraid. Maybe God will punish me because I'm unworthy, and that's why. Because right? the question was when Yaakov is preparing for his reunion with Esav. Talk about initiative! He said he does diplomacy. He sends all kinds of gifts to Esav in advance. Advanced diplomacy." And he prepares for war. He divides his camp into two and he prepares for war. And then he also davins to Hashem. What happened to the Emun Abitakun? Why did he do three? He should have only done one. The great Yaakov Avinu, Ishtam Yoshiv O The great Yaakov, what's he what's he sending what's he doing diplomacy? And why is he preparing for war? Just Davin oh God, you put me in circumstances, I'm about to reunite with my brother Esav, I don't know who I'm going to find, is it the is it the Esav who's my brother, is it the Esav who's my enemy, but God, I'm asking for your help, and I put my Amuna and bitachon in you, done, shine, why does he have to also prepare for war, why is he also doing diplomacy, doesn't that undermine the faith and trust in Hashem, who do you believe in yourself, you believe in diplomacy, you believe in your weapons, or you believe in Hashem, what's he doing, so Shema Yigra Machit, Chazal tell us that Yaakov was afraid, that maybe he was unworthy of God's divine protection. So he davened to Hashem, counting on Hashem, but he also took the initiative he felt he needed to take. What does that mean? It says the same Rebbe, what it means is, maybe he was unworthy of the ratio of initiative to faith. He wasn't on the level of a Gamzu at that moment. Maybe because of his chit, he was unworthy to say, you know what, God. I don't have an army. I don't need diplomacy. I'm just putting all my faith in you. He wasn't on that level. And therefore, he needed to show Hashem the faith, not only with his lips, he needs to show Hashem the faith with his hands and his legs. Just like the Jewish people opposite the sea. Matatake lie. God tells Moshe, what are they davening? Why are they frozen standing still davening? You can't the six day war sit in daven, no army, no initiative, no preemptive strike on the Egyptian Air Force. Let's not preempt Can you imagine the cabinet of Israel was meeting? Should we strike the Egyptian air force preemptively? We've dug hundreds of thousands of graves. we turned the public parks into cemeteries. We're anticipating a slaughter. Should we strike preemptively? Can you imagine one of the ministers raises their hands and says, No, we should just daven. I've brought Tehillim. I'm going to hand out Tehillim. Let's divide up the Tehillim. Let's disband the Israeli defense forces. And we'll daven. We'll daven. You can't do that. Hashem's response to that and then the Israeli uh, people would be slaughtered you get up and say Hashem we put our faith in you he said you put your faith in me who do you think gave you IDF with a military advantage who do you think made the Egyptians miscommunicate and therefore they were on the ground and some of their pilots the night before had a party which caused them to oversleep that morning and the person who called the shots for them to go into the air was out of was, was uh, inaccessible at the time so nobody could radio him who do you think orchestrated everything for you to preemptively strike them? What are you talking about, God says? So there's a balance that we have to strike. We show faith in Hashem with our lips by davening. We show faith in Hashem with our hands and feet by acting. We have to go to the doctor. We have to earn a living. We have to put ourselves out there. You know, the shirach crisis, the people who are looking to get married. And there's a challenge. It's not, I don't like, you know, crisis is not a nice word, but there are challenges within, within that arena. So can you imagine the person says, "I'm gonna sit on my couch, and Hashem's gonna send my husband, Hashem's gonna send my wife. It's just gonna happen. I'm gonna bump into them. They're gonna land on my doorstep." Hashem says, "You gotta put yourself out there. You got, you gotta network. You gotta be out there." How's initiative work? This is a critical point. I've shared it before, and I'm gonna share it again because I was taught this point by my brother-in-law, Joseph Hellerstein. He's a lawyer in Israel. And he always says to me, "You know, he's gotta drum up his own business." But Hashem, he has a wonderful, successful legal practice. And, you know, he's got to be the rainmaker. You got, to, you got to make your own business. How do you make your business? You're a lawyer. You network. You're emailing, your contacts, you fly in, you meet with different people. You're constantly networking, whether you're an insurance, you're a lawyer, doctors have to rely on referrals, all these jobs. You have to network. You have to. He said to me, he learned early on in his career this incredible insight into his jobless, into initiative. We think we're doing initiative because our initiative provides the results. And frankly, that's the danger of initiative. The danger of initiative is Except. when we see a correlation between the results and the initiative, we say, "Thanks, Hashem. Never mind. We're good." Yeah. Right. I've been dominating to help me have business, <laughs> but then I come back and I have such success for my meetings. I say, "You know what, God? You know what? Focus on other people. I got it. I'm good. My meetings were successful. I got it done." Right. The famous joke, also story. Never mind, God. I found a parking spot. Right. You know that one I'm circling around. <laughs> so never mind. I'm good. He says he learned early on. And then I found Makoros that support sources that support his insight. He said, The initiative is not because the results correlate with the initiative, but the initiative is a form of prayer. The initiative is a form of faith. And he says, Do you know how often I fly to the States, I set up meetings, I make phone calls, I send out emails, and all of a sudden I have a flurry of business that has nothing to do with the initiative I showed? It's not that the contacts I met with ended up landing me the business. It's that for Hashem to be able to release the blessing in my life, I needed to access it, the key to access it, the code to access it, was my doing initiative. So, and people will tell you all the time in life, you know, you, you, you decided to put yourself out there. You decided that you were going to work on whatever it is project, getting married, having children, having a job, changing careers, building it, whatever it is you want to work on in life, you made the decision to put yourself out there to take initiative. And all of a sudden you see results that don't correlate at all with the initiative you showed. Because the initiative was not responsible for the results. Ultimately in life, all the results that we enjoy come from the Ribona Shalom. They come from Hashem. However, He set up a system where to access them, we have to show our faith in Him by taking initiative. We have to be His partner. He doesn't want a complacent, apathetic, passive world where we sit back on the couch and wait for things to happen. He wants us to put ourselves out there, to take initiative, to make an effort to show some sacrifice and to show some compromise and some effort. And then when the results come, they don't necessarily come corresponding specifically with the initiative that we showed. They come out of left field. They come out of some place that we never imagined, that we never anticipated they would they would come at all. This is what the Gemara says in Brussels. When Yeshaya Hanavi came to visit the king Chizkiah when he was sick, when he was infirm, You're dying and you're never going to live. You're dying in this world and you have no future in the world to come. It's a wonderful Bikr Cholom message. the God has already ordained As The Prophet, he came to tell him that the, the, the conclusion has already been set. Ben Amot's so Chizkiah turned to Yeshua and he said, Son of Hamot, your, your prophecy is over? Get out. I have a tradition from my grandfather that even if you have a sharp sword sitting on your neck, never, ever give up hope. You never, ever, ever know what could happen. Never, ever, ever stop having faith. You have to be a realist. We don't believe in miracles. You're the last thing to do. You're paying a beaker to someone who's terminally ill in the hospice with zero chance, you know, who, whose who's organs are shutting down. I don't think you tell the family, no, don't give up faith. A miracle could happen. I think things are going to be great. Some of the worst things you can say and the worst rabbis say that. Everything's going to be okay. Yeah. Keep davening. Miracles can happen. The person should feel for themselves even to the last moment. You know what? A miracle can happen. Could come out of nowhere. I still believe. We're entitled to believe that for ourselves. Not a great suggestion to say to someone else. There are things where that's the attitude we should have. You know, like Nahamish Gamzu. Nachamish Gamzu didn't walk around saying to other people, Ah, Gamzala Tova. You know, made off with all your money? Gamzala Tova for you. You've got uh, diabetes? Gamzala Tova for you. Your car floated away in the parking lot from the flooding? Gamzala Tova for you. Nachum didn't earn that nickname because he was great at telling everyone else Gamzal Tovah for you. He earned that nickname because he felt it for himself. I'll give you another example. We are taught that when we go through a particular crisis or challenging time, we should use it as a springboard for personal growth. We should say to ourselves, what am I meant to learn from this? Not necessarily why did it happen to me, right? That's a mistake because that creates a great sense of guilt and trauma to say, oh, Hashem is punishing me for X. Oh, why did I have Y happen? Hashem is punishing me for X. That's not the tradition, I believe. The tradition, the way I understand it is, Y is happening to me. How can that motivate me to look at my life and want to change something? Ah, identify X needs to be changed. I'm going to use that I went through Y to inspire me to change X. Not necessarily because there's a correlation, but because I'm going to use the crisis to learn to grow to want to change X. So that's for us to do. We go through the exercise of saying, I'm going through this crisis? Ha! Huh. Let me be mefashfesh for ma'asav. Let me investigate my ways and see what can I be better at. But it's not for us to say, Oh, I heard this terrible thing happen to you. You know, it occurs to me that the reason is because you really need to work on X, Y, and Z. So there's all, I'm giving you several examples where there are attitudes which our rabbis tell us that we're supposed to have for ourselves. We're not supposed to project on others. Don't tell others, Gamzulatova. Don't tell others this is why this is happening to you. Don't tell others you don't have enough faith that this is the ratio of faith to initiative that you should show. These are conversations we have to have with ourselves and not impose them in, a, in an expression of judgment on others. These are things that we need to work on. So here too, Khizya turns to Yeshaya, the great Yeshaya Hanavi. He says, Ben Amots, get lost, get out of my room. You're telling me I have no hope? I have a tradition from Avi Abba, from my grandfather, that even if there's a sword resting on your neck, even at that moment, there's no way out. I had someone for a meal on Pesach, a member of our community. Father was a Holocaust survivor. He told me this unbelievable story. I forgot which concentration camp he was in, where, for whatever reason, he was rounded up by the Nazis, made it as an example. He wasn't trying to escape whatever minor... They didn't even call it a violation. He did nothing wrong. The Nazis decided to hang him in the public square. So they set up the noose, and he stood on the box, and they kicked it out from under him, and the rope broke. So the Nazi took out his gun and said, Jew, you can't die from hanging, pointed the gun at him and shot, and the gun jammed. Wow. And at that moment, the Nazis so frustrated said, Jew, get out of my face. Go back to your group. Could you imagine? Wow. He, said, he talked about his father. He had amazing stories about his father who then went to Israel and fought for Israel 40 years. A.m. Amazing stories about his father. So, could you imagine? Yeah. His father has a noose around his neck. He talked about Cher of Munach At that yeah. moment, if you said to his father, you have any shot, you have any chance here of living? Any chance of living? Yeah. There's a noose around his neck. The most evil people in the history of man are bent on killing him. You have any chance of living? Zero. The rope broke. Nazi then points a gun. He says, I'm oh I can't believe I survived that. Now I'm going to die this way. You have any chance of living? Zero. The gun jams. Jeff Elowitz. Ask Jeff Elowitz about his father. Unbelievable story. Right? So, again, does that mean that we should then tell the terminally ill person in hospice about to die? You got to hear the story I heard about Jeff Elowitz's father, so you should know a miracle could happen. Your kidneys are going to come back. The cancer is going to all disappear. You're gonna... No, we're not entitled to say that. Can we, with whatever crisis we're going through, feel, wow, that story's inspiring to me. So, you know what? Whatever happens, it's meant to be. But I live life with a level of faith that, who knows what could be, even if there's a sharp sword on my neck, I never give up hope. So it says the son of a Rebbe, Yeshaya Hanavi, one of our greatest prophets, tells Hiskia, I'm a prophet. I access the Word of God, and I 'm telling you, God wants me to tell you, you 're finished, you're toast, you're dying here in this world, you have no hope in the world to come, it's over. Wow. And even there, Hz Navi says, that's nice. I have a different tradition about God, that even when He says it's over, it ain't over, it's not over. Aval Kublaimi base Avi Abba. That salvation can come from the least expected places. Right? I'm 50th anniversary, so I'm harping on the Six-Day War. But I wasn't alive then. Some of you were. You all look way too young to have been alive then, but maybe some of you were. But... but um, if you would have asked the Jewish community around the world the week before the Six Day War, what are the chances that Israel walks away <coughs> a hero? Are you crazy? Digging hundreds of thousands of graves? Mm-hmm. Expecting a, an absolute disaster? Mm-hmm. Right? I, I mentioned that in Adrush a few weeks ago that the American Jewish leadership called on the government of Israel, begged them, send the children to America. Mm-hmm. Get them out. Yeah. If we're going to have a future, please evacuate the children of Israel. Not the children of a kibbutz. Not the children of a city. Evacuate the children of Israel. There's going to be... Mm-hmm. And, and look, so the cher of Munachas Savaro of the Jewish people, of the state of Israel, there may not be a state of Israel. They're about to be wiped off the map, driven into the sea. And six days later, although we had a speaker here in the shul who loved to say, he was so upset, it was not a six-day war. It was a six-hour war. It mm-hmm. took five and a half more days to finish up the job, mm-hmm. but it was over in the first half a day. Mm-hmm. And he, So we think it's such a miracle to call yeah. it a six-day war. It was not even six days. Cher of Munachas We should not impose that standard on others, but in our own lives, when we are going through much less crisis yeah. than being wiped off the map and driven in the city, or being hung on a noose in the square of the concentration camp, or being terminally ill in hospice, we are going through other frustrations about, will the construction work out? Will I find a parking spot? Will the job interview? Will my child get into the school of their choice? Will there, I don't mean to minimize any of these things, which as we go through them feel overwhelming. But we should tap into that strength that we know we have, which is putting our trust and faith in Hashem. Saying, I'm going to pray like it entirely depends on Him. I'm going to take the initiative like it entirely depends on me. I'm going to do everything I can. And once I'm done doing everything I can, it's up to Hashem. Am I going to stress out about something that's in the future that I don't know what can be? Will that help my life? It'll hurt my life. The stress and the anxiety about worrying about what will be with something I can't control only results in high blood pressure, diabetes, and heart disease, and obesity, and broken relationships because nobody wants to be around you because you're so stressed and anxious and you take it out on them. It's self-destructive. If if the anxiety drives us to do the best we can, then that's part of the work as if it all depends on you. So if you're nervous about, did I allocate enough time to work on that project? Have I given the project all the attention it deserves? Have I done everything I need to do? That's a healthy expression of drive. But once you've done that and you can say, I've done, I've visited every doctor taking the medicine, I'm doing what they've told me to do. I'm still going to worry what's going to be, what will happen in three months when I do the next blood test and I check to see whether it worked. What will those three months of worrying... Now I know, I'm not, it's not easy. I know it's easy to say yeah. don't worry. But worry both lacks faith in God but it's self-destructive. We absolutely undermine our health, our mental health, our physical health and the health of the relationships around us. So we do everything our can. We're driven within our own initiative and then... We let go and we let God. The rest is up to Hashem and whatever will be, will be. We let go and we enjoy the ride. So he says, the Nevu of Yeshaya HaNavi. Yishaya says, I am tasked with transmitting the Word of God. And I'm here to tell you, you're done. Chizkiya says, that's nice. You're Navi, But I have a tradition and my tradition says, it's never done. Never done. You never were. Should we do a little bit more? Yeah. A couple more minutes. It's 9.30. Okay, we'll stop here. But this is the effort for all of us to work on. And every day it changes. What's the ratio and proportion of faith to initiative? How much is too much? By the way, there are people who do too much. I'll conclude with this example. So, take the example of work. So there are people who say, I have a responsibility to support to be the breadwinner of my family. And I aspire to accomplish wealth. And I want to contribute to the world. So they work 16, 18 hours a day. Their health suffers in the process. They never see their family. Their children are, 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 are lost. And they say, well, I'm just showing initiative. What do you mean? That's my heshtadlus. So the answer is no. Hashem could achieve what you want. That money and all the other with working much less so where's that line that's my point that's the Islam Rebbe's point it's up to each of us to establish where the line is but we have to be thinking too few people are thinking about it some are lazy and they fake having too much amuna they barely do any effort or work or initiative and they rely and they want to know why Hashem is not you know that's called uh, that's called um, whatever relying on on the community or relying on the social services uh, being on welfare Right, I'm putting my faith in Hashem, and then relying on Woffer or your father-in-law. You know that. You know, you all know that story too, right? Everyone knows that joke too. Yeah. Yeah. Father-in-law meets the future son-in-law, and has old conversation: "What are you planning to do in life?" I have faith in Hashem. Really, what school are you, and what are you going to do? What's the job? Uh, Hashem is going to take care of me mm-hmm. do you have a plan do you have a strategy what's the three year plan Hashem is going to take care of me and then he goes to the wife no what do you think about who our daughter brought home he said uh, I like him why do you like him he thinks I'm God <laughs> <laughs> so you know th- that is a false sense of faith so you can have counterfeit faith mm-hmm. and you can show extreme too much ex- you know too much uh, um, uh, too much uh, initiative the key in life is to be thoughtful and every day to be re-examining what is the ratio and proportion? What is the appropriate balance of initiative to faith? How much is God waiting for me to do because he gave me the tools and skills to do it? And how much am I supposed to draw a line and say, done. I've done what I can. I've done what's reasonable to do. And now is when I'm supposed to let go and let God. And this is where my amuna kicks in. And there's no set answer. There's no standard answer. We all answer it differently. The key is to be thinking about this question each and every day. Have a fantastic day and a dry day. Um,